How are we doing? Hey, if you are a mom, we do want to honor you. And uh, for some of you, this is a real joyful day. You're with your mom, or you are a mom, and you feel just a deep sense of gratitude, and life is good. For, for some, this is a heavy day. I want to acknowledge that. Some of us, we've lost our mom, and it reminds us of how much we miss our mom. Or you didn't have a great relationship or don't have a great relationship with your mom, or you really wanted to be a biological mother, and so far that just hasn't happened for you. For some, this brings back a painful memory where they chose to not be a mom when they were pregnant and they had a lot of pressure and some of us have come to regret that deeply and though we've received forgiveness, this is just a painful day. However you come to Mother's Day, know this, the Lord knows you, he loves you, he's glad that he's drawn you into his presence this morning and whether you're weary and brokenhearted or joyful, you belong here. So thank you for, for joining us. And do take a flower on your way out, ladies. We are in a sermon series called I Dare You, and we're not talking about the stupid dares that uh, accompany childhood. Carrie mentioned the Tide Pod Challenge, people eating laundry detergent for fun. We're talking about dares towards something we all need, a dose of biblical courage, because it's a crazy world out there. And without courage, you're not going to get very far. And following Christ these days requires courage. And so each week, for the last five weeks, we've been looking at different portraits of courage, case studies, if you will, in the scriptures. Today, we're going to look at Mary, how fitting for Mother's Day. Uh, So if you have your uh, Bible or your smartphone or you want to follow along on the screen, we're going to Luke's account of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke. John, and we will be in the second, or the first chapter, verse 26. should be on the screen there. The birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at this at his words, and wondered what kind of greeting this may be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. And then I'd like to jump up to verse 46, Mary's song. And this is after Mary has confirmed that Elizabeth is actually with child, and she is starting to understand that everything that was promised is going to happen. And Mary responds with a song. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations call me blessed. 
For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. This is God's word. So I'd like to um, really illustrate why we need courage, and then I'd like to talk about two things, the how and the wow. We'll get to that, but... Here's, a, here's just a confession. I'm not a very courageous person naturally. Some of us, I think, are born with a predisposition to be more courageous than others. And it's kind of embarrassing to admit, but I'm a combat veteran, you know, and so people think that uh, I'm courageous. But every time I go on a run in the woods, I think about mountain lions. I've confessed that from the stage before, but it just keeps me humble. It's good, good for the soul. But I mean... Growing up in the summers in Missoula, Montana, I would go work on my grandpa's ranch, and I would see these little boxes at the end of the long driveways in the ranching community, and I'd go, what are those, Grandpa? And he said, oh, those are the, the little boxes that, that you wait for for the school bus, the kids. And I said, oh, because it's so cold? And he said, no, so the mountain lions don't get the kids. <laughs> and every time I'd drive that farm truck past one of those little boxes, I thought, man, those mountain lions must be a bad way to go. And so irrationally, even though, you know, there's hardly any mountain lions in this part of the world, I mean, I was on a run this morning, and just out of the corner of my eye, I just kind of make sure everything's good. And every once in a while, I run into a deer, and it, you know, for a second, I'm just, oh, we're, you're not a mountain lion? Okay, right? So I don't know what your thing is. Maybe it's mountain lions. Maybe it's physical health. Maybe it's pain in general. I don't know what keeps you up at night. I don't know what you're afraid of. But for Mary and for everyone else who was approached in Scripture by an angel, it was the angel. Do you notice that? The angel shows up, and people wet their pants. They're terrified of angels. And, and like, the angels must get sick of that, because it's like they have this script that they have to say. They show up, and they're like, don't be afraid. Fear not. No, seriously, like, you're not going to die. I'm not going to kill you. So what do they look like? They're probably not chubby little toddlers like the porcelain doll. I mean... They're clothed in like lightning-type garbs. I mean, they're, they're kind of more like a warrior. Think Marvel, you know? So they're just showing up, and everyone's terrified. And, and yet, the angels always say, don't be afraid. So that, that's interesting, because it, it indicates, you know, why would a, a divine herald messenger give you a command that you're literally not capable of obeying? There's a little insight to the human psyche. We, we are capable of not being afraid. Not, I don't think what the angel means is don't feel fear, because clearly we are. It's much closer to don't let fear have the final word in this moment. Don't live out of a place of fear. Acknowledge your fear, and now listen to what I'm about to say, because it's not about the fear, it's about the message that I have for you. And in this case, when Gabriel comes to Mary... Mary was greatly troubled at his words, so, so afraid of the message. But even before that, just don't be afraid. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, why you have found favor with God. There is always a reason not to be afraid. And maybe for you today, 
whatever you're afraid of, you need to hear the second part that the angel says, don't be afraid because you found favor with God, because God has a plan for your life, because this life is not the end, because even if a mountain lion attacked you on a run, God's still on the throne, and God could use even that. So, a little context here. I'd like to introduce you to the term, the how and the wow. What is the how? Well, the how is simply our tendency to ask, how, God? Especially when a big lightning emblazed angel shows up and gives you a message like, you know how you're a virgin and you're probably like 16 years old? That's when women were betrothed in the ancient world, much shorter lifespan. You know how you're terrified right now? Also, you're going to give birth to a child and, and Mary rightly asks, how? And we ask, how? In her case, Luke one thirty four, she wonders how she can bear a child given her virginity, among other things. And the divine explanation in Luke one thirty five through 36, less than satisfying, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. What does that mean? And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. What does that mean? These aren't technical terms like, oh, okay, that cleared all that up. Thank you, Gabriel. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Hey, even Elizabeth, you know, she's super old. She's going to get pregnant. Sometimes when God calls us to something, sometimes when God calls your name and calls you out from a pattern of life and living to a new pattern of life, your natural, normal human instinct is to ask, how is that going to work, God? How is that going to work? So that's the how. What about the wow? They rhyme. That's a helpful teaching device. That's why we call it the how and the wow. But let's think about the wow. The wow, as illustrated by Mary and countless others who rightly respond to an angel, is simply this. Responding to God with worship and with wonder. Wow, God. You, you would choose me? In Mary's case, you can almost see this humility-fused, worship-centered courage rising up. Because it does take courage to look at something that's profoundly life-altering and profoundly mysterious to you and say, I'm going to trust that God has a plan for me. I'm going to trust that this, even though I'm afraid of it, won't define me. I won't live in fear for the rest of my life. I'm going to choose courage. And courage is a funny thing. I think it's kind of like a muscle. You know, the more God pulls you out of your comfort zone and you cooperate and graduate with the Holy Spirit in the pulling and you say, I am afraid, I do feel fear, but I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to choose to trust you. The more the muscle of courage grows. And, and we need to make a distinction here, I think, because there is a type of courage that is kind of born out of arrogance or faking it till you make it or just kind of puffing your chest up. When I was in Iraq, it was interesting to see how that courage failed people. You know, it works a little bit. It works for a while, but when, when mortars start flying and body parts start coming off, and that type of courage does not last because it's a manufactured courage that it, fueled by human pride. It's, it's a courage that comes from a comparison. I don't want to be weak like him or her, so I'm going to project strength, and I'm going to white-knuckle it, and I'm going to be 
the Marlboro man, you know? I'm just going to just say, yep, I got it. It doesn't work. So hear this in this sermon series. The I dare you's that come in this series, it's not I dare you to pretend you're courageous because that won't work. It's not I dare you to manufacture your own courage. It's I dare you to trust God for your courage. It's I dare you to listen to the second part of Gabriel's message. Fear not because of something. Because of something. So the wow and the how. The how is our tendency to ask God how. That's normal. It's a response that every toddler reminds us is very part of human development. The wow is not natural. It's not normal. It's going to take agency on your part. A choice on your part. Many choices on my part. Mary does not keep asking God how or God why. She could have because the explanation that Gabriel gave was less than intellectually satisfying. Instead, what does she say? I am the Lord's servant. Let it be as you say. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be as you say. I don't understand it all. It's kind of terrifying. I mean, think about how terrifying it was. In the ancient world, as a Jewish girl, she was taught to follow certain rules. One of them was to save herself for marriage, and she had. She was a virgin. Can you imagine being a young, betrothed bride and going to your husband and saying, um, last night an angel came to me, and it's really terrified at first, but then he said, I'm, I found favor with, with Yahweh, the one true God that we worship, and also the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow me. I'm not exactly sure how that works, but I'm going to be with child, but we're not going to sleep together until we get married, but I'll be pregnant before the wedding. And the baby... You, you, I know typically in our culture you get to name the baby, but, but not, not now because the baby will be named Jesus. It means he saves. He's going to be the son of God, the savior of the world, you know, the Messiah, long-awaited. You know, since technically you're the father, but not technically, but, you know, you're in the line of David, and the prophet said that, like, you know, the, the Messiah had to come from the line of David so you can kind of see how it works. And I'm sorry because I know that's going to be awkward for you, Joseph, at the market and stuff, and people are going to probably notice that. It resembles God more than you. I'm sorry. And Joseph, if you keep reading, he's just like mind blown. He's honorable, but he's like, you know, we're just going to quietly dissolve this whole engagement because I found a crazy one. You know, she, right? I mean, like, that's what he's thinking. And so actually God has to send a message to Joseph in a dream, like, for real, bro, this is happening. Buckle up. Like, <laughs> Have courage, don't be afraid. And he's like, wow. I want to read from you just uh, an interesting case study that comes right before this in chapter one. It's about Zechariah. Zechariah is on priest duty. He's a Levite, and they drew lots for who's, who gets to preach the sermon and who gets to be priest duty. It's like Chad and I, you know, we just kind of roll the dice and stuff. But anyways, he's, he's doing priest duty, and he's burning the incense, and all of a sudden, Gabriel comes to him. This is before Gabriel comes to Mary. And basically says, you know, Zechariah, you've been praying for Elizabeth to get pregnant, and she's really old, and God has heard the prayer, and she is now pregnant. She's going to be pregnant. And also, you need to raise this son under the name John. Culturally, you should name him, but nope, we're going to transcend culture. You're going to name him John. No razor will touch his head. So basically... He's going to be a Nazarite, given back to the, the Levite 
Um, he'll never drink wine. He's going to prepare the way of the Messiah. He's going to turn sons back to fathers and fathers back to son. He's going to really be one of the best human beings that will ever live. And what's really interesting is Zechariah says something, and it looks very similar to what Mary says. He says, how? Verse 18, 118, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Verse 19, the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the proper time. So he spends nine months learning Hebraic sign language. I mean, he's silenced by Gabriel for asking how. Now, this, this is within paragraphs of what we just read from Mary. That's super interesting, don't you think? So apparently, two people can ask how of the same divine messenger. One of them, the how kind of turns into a wow, a worship response, and she's favored, and, and things go so well for her that she bursts into a song. The other case study, asking how, how can I be sure of this? And then, but, 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 but. But she said, but, 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 too. She said, but I'm a virgin. This doesn't make sense. And he said, but I'm super old. It doesn't make sense. In his case, he's silenced. He's almost punished for asking how. And scholars have debated, how can God have such a different response to do two similar questions. What do you think? I think God knows our heart. God knows what's behind the how. Because you can ask how with a different voice tone. My um, wife Erica and the kids and I were getting into the Marvel movies and stuff and my kids really like Groot. It's a small little tree. Um, Baby Groot. They, they like, and, and Groot is an alien, and he's only capable of saying, I am Groot. But he says it in a different voice tone every time, and people who speak his language know, like, so it'll be like, I am Groot, and they'll be like, oh, he wants this or that or whatever. I am Groot. Oh, he's angry. I am Groot. Oh, watch your language, you know? So they, they know what he's saying. And I think that's how it is with how. We can all say, how, God, and mean one thing. And then we can say, how, God, and we can mean something quite different. It can be a sign of great unbelief. It can be a sign of disrespect to God. Or it can just be an honest, authentic question. God, it doesn't make sense and I'm afraid. And God knows the tone and God speaks the language of how. So, on to the dares. I dare you, when God speaks, don't let the how silence the wow. That's the dare for me and the dare for you this morning. Don't let the how silence the wow. Now, you may say, and you'd be right, I've, I've personally never had Michael or Gabriel or one of the archangels just kind of drop down in front of me and I was crippled with fear and they said, well, I have a message for you. That's never happened to me. It's never happened to me. Maybe it's happened to you, but that's typically not the, the thing I hear in pastoral counseling. Like, there, it happened again. The angel came down and... Gave me new, new marching orders. No, typically that, that's exceptional. It's not the rule in general. And yet, we call this book not just a, a nice 
piece of literature, it's God's word. 66 different small books written over a span of almost 2,000 plus years from many, 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 many authors, all with a driving, central message of good news about God restoring human beings, sustaining and redeeming human beings for a purpose. So when you bump up against what God's word has to say, it's as if an angel dropped in front of you. Have you ever been reading scripture? And you come to something, maybe it's a command of Christ. Maybe it's not even a command, it's a part of a narrative in the Bible, but it just... It's almost like your conscience is lit up by the Holy Spirit, and you're like, I really should do this. But the first question is, how? I can't envision a life where I forgive all the time, where I forgive even that. I can't imagine obeying in this area. I can't change the way that I've been living after all these years, after all that momentum. I can't do it. I can't see it. How, God? In those moments, when God convicts us, when God directs us, when he corrects us, when he's protecting us, when he speaks to us in any way or fashion through a worship song, through a friend, through the scripture, through the Holy Spirit, and we get all gummed up and we just say, how, God, I don't know, maybe we need to say, okay, Mike, don't let the how silence the wow, overshadow, crowd out, the wow. Don't let your honest questions, your to-be-expected fears get in the way of the right response that you were born to have. Wow, God. If I can get the next slide up here on the screen. How willing are you to be wowed by God? That's a question I think is worth asking. So you can't imagine God will do what he says he's going to do. Can your lack of imagination really limit the eternal God? You're underqualified, and so am I, for the job description of God. Just because we can't see it, just because we can't envision what he's doing, does not mean he's not going to do it and capable of doing it. Just think for a minute of the complexity of your life. Just all the random, seemingly random twists and turns, all the decisions you made and other people made. And if you were to go into a time machine and go back 20 years or whatever and tell yourself, like, this is what's going to happen. You're going to marry that person. You're going to do this. You're going to go into this line of work. You're going to live here. There are many, many instances, if you're honest with yourself, where your younger version of yourself would be like, what are you talking about? How's that going to work? I can't envision it. I can't imagine it. That will never happen. I could not even guess at that. I don't even think I'll be happy with that. No, you will. You will, actually. No, actually, this is going to make you stronger. No, it's going to hurt. No, God can't use cancer to to forge a character. No, I, I know you think that, but he can and he will and he did. And that's just with your younger version of yourself. God is orchestrating every human being on planet Earth, all of our choices towards an end. And we're cooperating, and in many times and cases, not cooperating. And the question, as we lay down our heads at night on our pillow, and, and the how question comes, how are we going to pay the bills? How, how am I going to deal with this medical deal? How am I going to 
circumnavigate the complexities of our relationship and how is my kid going to fare now that he's made all these bad choices and how is it all going to work? Maybe instead of drifting off with the how, 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 we're supposed to just say, wow, wow, I can't see a way, but God, you can. Wow, you're good even though I can't see a way. Wow, I'm glad I'm not you, God, because it makes me dizzy. It makes my head spin, but I know it doesn't make your head spin. Mary really does provide just this incredible example. So I dare you, when God speaks, don't let the how silence the wow. That's a choice. You just have to say, okay, enough how time. Now let's move into the wow time. Let's respond with worship and wonder and holy curiosity and expectation and talking to God and say, wow, God, that's amazing. But I also dare you this, and the text dares us this, let worship and wonder move you from the how to the wow. Because the question is, how do you move from the how to the wow? It's worship and it is wonder. Luke 146 through 55 is kind of the echo of this in her song. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of my humble servant. He sees me. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Now, she's writing this before she's even given birth. And and she's going to give birth in a time and a place where a very high percentage of babies don't even make it or make it past the first five years. So it's incredible courage and trust and humility that birthed a song like this. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He's scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. She's echoing different parts of prophecy here, so she knew her scripture. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said. She's saying, God, you're keeping your promises, even though I don't understand how I all fit into it and why I should fit in this way, and I might not choose this. And that conversation with Joseph was super awkward, so thanks for the dream. I'm still going to praise you. Let worship and wonder move you from the how to the wow. Sometimes people will ask me, how often do I have to come to church, like in membership class? And I'll say like 48 times a year, otherwise you're in danger of damnation. No, 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 I don't say that. That's very unbiblical. We're saved by grace through faith, faith, grace through faith because of the cross, not by works. Nobody can boast. Good church attendance does not get you heaven points. Good church attendance is important because it is the place and the pattern and the discipline that that moves us from the how to the what. We stop what we're doing. Because isn't it true that most of your week is involving a lot of how? How am I going to feed the kids? How am I going to get up on time, given the fact that I have a tendency to hit snooze nine times, right? How am I going to get dressed, given my poor fashion taste? How am I going to do this? How am I going to teach my kids hybrid school? How am I going to deal with my kids when they're home on vacation? How am I going to 
fix the car? How am I going to make this return at Home Depot? Sometimes it's just trivial little stuff, but it's just your whole life, your whole sacred experience on earth can be just drenched with one how thought after another. And when we come and we worship and we gather in the presence of the living God, even though we're always in the presence of the living God, but when we do it together and we sing as one voice together and we look at God's word and we, we give it a real hard thinking exercise of how do we apply this, we're, we're doing something beyond the how. We're standing in wonder. We're standing in worship. We're saying, I'm not the most important thing in the universe. My kid is not the most important thing in the universe. My appetite is not the most important thing in the universe. My emotional well-being is not the most important in the universe. All these things are important, yes, but they are subordinate to the one person that is the most important being in the universe. The triune God who made me, knows me, launched and birthed me, is sustaining me in this moment, is redeeming me from my sin and the sins of others and will resurrect me. And I'm going to stand in awe of the very one that my heart was made for. And I'm just going to say, wow, God, what a world, what an experience. Wow, God, look how merciful you've been to me. Wow, God, you see me out of all the billions of people that are and have been and will be. You see me and you know me and I'm different than everybody. And my little shape on my fingers are different than any finger that's ever been made and any finger that will be made. Wow, God. Wow, God, I'm on a big rock called earth that's spinning at like neck-breaking speeds and like going through space like, like a bullet around a huge burning ball of fire and it's perfectly positioned so I don't burn up or freeze to death. And you birth me in the craziest part of earth where I almost burn up and I almost freeze to death every year, but I still don't. And it's amazing. Wow, God. So how do you do this? How do you let wonder and worship invade your life and thereby move you from the continual addiction to how towards the liberation of wow? You do what Mary does in verse 38. Nothing is impossible with God. Now, Tom and I were writing this message and he's like, don't forget, she's like, lower class teenage girl in a society where women weren't quite as valued in the same way. And so, so odds are like she's predisposed to humility. So don't give her too much credit, Mike. I mean, I was like, yeah, I see that. And maybe that there's something to that because Zechariah as a male and a Levite and a priest, highly kind of respected. The angel Gabriel's a little harder on him when he asks, wow. And so I do think God takes into account all this and where we're coming from. But the fact is, she could have ran away in terror. And I think some 16-year-old girls would have. And instead, she just chooses to, to say nothing is impossible with God, to, to fixate on what Gabriel says. He says nothing is impossible with God. So what does she say? I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may it be to me as you have said. Wow, Gabriel, I'm a part of something I possibly, I can't possibly understand. I just can't possibly wrap my mind around it. It's like an ant understanding the internet, but I trust that you're good, 
that you come from a good God, that you stand in this good God's presence, and that this message for me is not meant to be fully understood, but to be fully embraced, and there's a difference. Some of us forget that difference. We think, I can't embrace it unless I fully understand it. I've seen skeptic after skeptic, atheist after atheist come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, and I've never seen one of them get every one of their doubts and answers completely and fully and finally satisfied. You kinda, it's like catching a train. You have to kind of run a little bit. A train is moving, and you have to jump in the boxcar. You, you just can't expect the train to stop for you and get in. It's a moving, living thing. You have to jump into the train that is faith in God. That doesn't mean you can't ask thoughtful questions. That doesn't mean you shouldn't. You should. You should write them all down, and you should talk with people who you respect and who are intellectually honest and seem to have the attributes that a Christian should have, and you should research and all of that. But at the end of the day... I think the right answer is modeled in Mary. Wow, I'm a part of something I, possi- I can't possibly understand right now, and I'm going to embrace it. She refers to herself in uh, 148 as lowly. I'm a lowly servant. Which begs the question, do we refer to ourselves in a similar way? I mean, when you're on a blind date, you're like, well, I'm, I'm lowly. I'm a humble servant of the Lord Most High. You know, not going to swipe on that, right? But that's what she does. It's her humility that provides the basin and the, and the appropriate pad for courage to launch. It's her willingness to be wowed by God that leads her to ask God, she does ask how, and you can ask how too, to trust, even though the explanation isn't fully satisfying, to confirm, then she goes to Elizabeth, she's like, Gabriel's, or, you know, the angel, I was terrified, he said that you're pregnant, you're really old, are you pregnant? Elizabeth is like, yep. And then to confirm, and then to worship. And this is a pattern. Ask, trust, confirm, worship. Ask, trust, confirm, worship. On this Mother's Day, I'm not sure what, how is taking up all your headspace. It varies for all of us. Sometimes it varies hour to hour. But I am certain of this. You were not made to run the, the rat trap of how. You are not made to live 99% of your waking hours in your mental focus asking, how? How's it going to work out? What if the weather isn't bad? How's it going to do? What if the, well, I don't get it. What, what if I can't do it? What if God calls me to something that's scary? What if there'll be pain? What if I die early? What if I do this? What if I get COVID? How, 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 how? No. The word of God would say the best response to the mysteries in front of us and behind us and within us is to ask how and then let the question phase flow into a phase of wonder and worship. Wow, I'm a part of something I, po- I cannot possibly understand. Wow, God knows my name. Wow, God sees me. Wow, God has good plans for me. Wow, God will use even the painful bits to refine me to make me a person, a man, a woman, a father, a son, a friend, 
me with unique fingerprints as somebody who exhibits the character of Jesus Christ. And when I die, I won't stay dead. I will rise with him. Wow. Let's pray. Gracious God, give us the ability to take you up on the dare that your word calls us to. When you speak, help us, Lord, to not let the how silence the wow. Help us to cultivate a spirit, a discipline, an attitude, a way of life of worship and wonder. And in so doing, move us from addiction to the how to the liberation of worship to the wow. In Jesus' name, amen.